Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, I am joined by my friend and neighbor, actually, Dan Fronin. Dan is the chief marketing officer at Sendoso. And actually, I didn't know Dan was my neighbor until we had a recent discussion at Dreamforce. But we have a lot more in common today. But before we get into that, Dan, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining me. Um, it's It's been great. We just met over the last month. We've been a partner with Sendoso now for some time. We're also a client, as you know, and it was really great to get the introduction uh, by Michael and, and for us to get connected. Very, very cool. And we do live in the same town in Danville, California. But I also, when I pulled up your LinkedIn, I found a couple other connecting points. I think, tell me if I'm wrong, that the header image is Santa Monica, California. Am I right? Uh, correct. <laughs> and do you know how I know that? Because yes, I feel I've literally stood in the place where that photograph is taken right off of, uh, I think it's where like Wilshire Boulevard comes all the way down and runs into the beach. And then as I scrolled down and said, what else should I know about Dan that I don't already know? We went to the same college. How about that? We did. Cal State Northridge, right? Cal State Northridge. But... But that's where things are very different for you and I, even though we went to the same university. And I would love to hear a little bit about your origin story because you studied music. And how the hell did you end up as a chief marketing officer? Can we talk a little bit about how that path of studying music and your early parts of your career landed you here as chief marketing officer at Sendoso? Sure. So it's it's definitely been in a... Uh a series of very fortunate events for me. Um, when I was in high school, I was not the best student. Uh, I was uh, playing in a lot of bands and decided that that was what I was passionate about and decided to move down into LA and join the music industry. And that's uh, when I kind of found my my uh, academic prowess studying music. And then I was fortunate enough to land a job at a, at a music publisher and really spend the first 10 years of my career uh, doing pretty much everything that you can do in a business from uh, project management to editorial work to graphic design. And then I was fortunate enough to move into marketing uh, to do their consumer marketing, then headed up their trade marketing, and then all of marketing, and really developed this passion for marketing technology as I was uh, helping to modernize, get us into CRM, get us into marketing automation, develop our social profiles. Uh, and as I was meeting all of these amazing uh, technology uh, companies, I, I realized that, man, like I want to be a part of uh, that startup scene. They're having a ton of fun. They're doing really cool things with their technology and they seem to be very happy. And uh, when I had an opportunity to uh, leave that business, I was fortunate enough to, to land into another uh, sort of part of my career, which was uh, it started uh, in technology with a company called Relevate, mm -hmm. which was data as a service. 
which landed me at Aptus, where I got to work with an amazing team uh, headed up by Maria Pergolino. Yeah. And ultimately to where I am here today, which is Sendoso. So nice. I think I'm the most uh, probably anti-tech tech marketer you've ever met because I did not grow up in tech, but here I am leading uh, an awesome marketing function for a, a really awesome technology company. It is a great company, and it, and it, and it starts at the top. Uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting Chris several times and getting to know the team, and I just love the culture over there. And I do want to come back and, and talk about Sendoso and help uh, our listeners know a little bit more about what you guys do, because as I said, a big fan of the company, and, and we're a client ourselves. And I believe as all of us who are focusing on omni-channel marketing, or should be focusing on omni-channel marketing these days, uh, direct mail and the physical aspects of marketing needs to be part of the mix. But we'll get back to that. For all of you listening, if, if you would like, and I strongly encourage you, get, get connected with Dan. Um, he goes by Daniel, kind of like how I write David and say Dave, but Daniel Fronen, F-R-O-H-N-E-N. So if you're sitting at your computer, why not make a new connection and reach out to him on LinkedIn? Daniel, you have an article out there that I would kind of like to make as the, the focal point of our conversation today, which is the 10 things you wish you knew when you started in SaaS marketing. I think I, one of my favorite YouTube videos series are people who say, you know, like, um, I wish I knew this before I started doing X, whether it's social media, streaming, gaming, what have you. I learn a lot from those, and I think that uh, it's a great conversation. So can we dive into that? How does that sound? That, was, that sounds awesome. Cool. And you gave, you gave 10 things. So let's, let's start with number one. Uh, you, you talked about building a solid foundation. So why was that number one on the list, and what's that all about? Yeah, I think um, when I first started in technology marketing, um, I, I had a couple different starting points. So one was with a, a legacy company where I was modernizing it. The other was this fast-growing unicorn where it was go out and spend all the money and drive um, as much demand and pipeline and revenue as possible. And then my last company before Sendoso, where it was very much about um, building uh, a repeatable go-to-market uh, playbook and fit. And what I realized uh, is that uh, if you do not build that solid foundation and, and you start demand generation without knowing your ICP, knowing your sales process, knowing... Um, how this all plays together to deliver a really good and happy customer, then, then you're really not, um, then you're really not setting yourself up for success. I, I always equate it to just a, a building. If you don't have a foundation, then you really don't have a building that's going to crumble. When you think of a foundation, one of the things you talked about is it find out your urgency. So what's, what's your urgency there at, at Sendoso? Yeah, I mean, the, the urgency is really um, the fact that uh, there's been this over-proliferation of uh, digital, of just ad impressions in general, uh, like the average person sees between seven and 10,000 ad impressions, whether that's on your phone, on TV, at a home, uh, email, just anywhere and everywhere. I'm, I'm literally looking at an ad in this room I'm in right now uh, out the window, and um and the urgency is that people are, are tired, they're run down, um, and they want meaningful interactions and meaningful conversations. And that's really what Sendoso enables through um, something that, that was some, somewhat antiquated in the past, and that's direct mail and gifting and, and really having that personal connection via a physical thing that you're sending to someone else. 
So now you are at Sendoso and uh, clearly have a passion around direct uh, or you wouldn't have joined the company, but was direct part of the mix for you uh, at companies like Aptis and, and other places you've been? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because my early years in publishing, uh, direct mail and kind of just packages of, of gifts and just ways to get in front of people in unique ways was a big part of my marketing mix. And then when I got into Aptis, um, we, we were championing um, direct mail gifting as, as part of our marketing mix there. So it's, it's almost like that never left my marketing mix in the first place. Nice. Your, your third was about knowing metrics. I'm going to, I'm going to jump around. I might not go through all 10, but that's one that really jumps out to me. And I I think marketing still has a way to go. I'm categorically saying about not just knowing the metrics about where the priority is. Like it's Friday when you and I are recording this podcast It's Friday afternoon. And every Friday, what we do here at demand gen is the scorecards come out. And so some key metrics that we track on a weekly basis is our utilization, because we're a services company. So we're serving many, many, many different clients. And we have you know close to 80 people on the team that are doing work. And they turn in their time on all the projects. And we track that utilization to know whether we've got enough staff, too little, too much. And that's a KPI you know, as a services company. It's like that's our inventory, if you will, inventory tracking. But we also put out our revenue scorecard and, and we update in terms of what our new revenue is, new logo revenue. New logo revenue to us is new clients that we brought in uh, across the year and we track that on a weekly basis. And then what we also have is a marketing dashboard and that marketing dashboard, it's actually updated in real time, but we look at it and share it on a Friday afternoon. And that marketing dashboard is chock full of revenue metrics and chock full of content metrics and chock full of campaign metrics. All the relevant metrics that we need to know in terms of how marketing is sourcing pipeline and influencing pipeline. And by the way, to anybody listening, if you would like to see my marketing dashboard, boy, that's a big ask. I think we had like 50,000 listeners last month. But you know, I, I, I don't always get a lot of takes on these, but I will say, reach out to me on LinkedIn. And I would be happy to walk you through our marketing dashboard. And the reason that I can do that so easily to so many of you, if I get a lot of requests, is I shared it this month at Dreamforce. Uh, when I was at Opstars, I taught a course on campaign attribution. So in that course, which was a great, very, ve- very well-received course, I showed everybody how to do campaign attribution right, Dan. And I showed our dashboard so that they could see how the dots are all the way connected um, through it. When you say know the metrics, I would love to hear from you as the CMO at Sendoso, where, what are your KPIs and how often are you reporting them and what advice do you have for people in terms of knowing your metrics? Yeah, first of all, I'd like to say I, I love how you're tracking your metrics and how you're getting your entire team involved. And it sounds like you have the right balance between um, overlooking and, and making sure that you make it a thing at least once a week. So when I say know the metrics, I, I really refer to when you're coming into a company, it's just incumbent upon any CMO or marketer in general to understand like what the company is trying to achieve from a metric standpoint. So you need to know um, what ARR, bent, uh, what kind of ARR you're actually trying to hit, how much of that is cross-sell, upsell, how much of that is net new. You need to understand how much pipeline it's going to take to get there. And those are 
uh, kind of just the two fundamental metrics um, to even be able to have any kind of like ability to understand your business. And then you have to start to uh, take that a level deeper and start to look at all of your different marketing channels. And um, if you're walking into an organization that's uh, from scratch, obviously that's a whole different ballgame in terms of uh, developing uh, channels and, and measuring how it's going to translate into uh, pipeline. From my vantage point and, and my experience here at Sendoso, it was uh, there was stuff that was already working on the SDR side, digital events, uh, obviously Sendoso for Sendoso. Uh, so it was really understanding what's coming in, how much are we spending, how is it converting into pipeline and then revenue. And then uh, better understanding where I had blind spots where maybe, for instance, web in general is just really hard to track. So, you know, what kind of uh, tracking UTM parameters, tools do I have to put in to be able to understand uh, across different dig digital campaigns to get into that cost per acquisition? And then ultimately um, set the team up to be able to report on those on a weekly basis. So very yeah. similar to the way that you're, that you're doing things. And I think dashboards are key, right? Because um, if you all just as a, as a team can agree on what you're trying to measure, build it into a repeatable framework, which is a dashboard, um, hit refresh, obviously, if you run it day to day, uh, but hit refresh at least once a week and look at it as a team and use it as an opportunity to make sure that you're getting to your goals, uh, spot anything that's not working so that uh, when you when your CMO meets with their exec team and when board meetings happen, you're prepared to, to talk about the value that you're driving for the organization. For sure, some of the other things that we have in our in our dashboard, our marketing dashboard, is we've got our funnel metrics, and so just like sales yeah. has, you know, I talked about the scorecard in terms of what's our new logo bookings year to date, and we look at that every Friday. Um, there's some other metrics in that report too, but that's obviously the main thing that we're looking at. We, we have like the number of clients and types of clients and whether we have X number of Marketo clients, Eloqua clients, Salesforce, you know, we, we break it out so that we're staffing appropriately. But popping back over to marketing, we look at our funnel because sales has their pipeline of all the opportunities that are stage one through stage seven. Stage seven is our last stage before closed one or closed lost. And marketing has all of the uh, funnel metrics for inquiries and MQLs, and as well as out-of-stage funnels, Dan. So we we show what how much went into recycled, how much went into DQ, and then we have other side funnel stages like recycle and re-engage. So again, if anybody wants to see our marketing dashboard, I'm happy to walk you through that. Reach out to me, and um, we can check it out. By the way, it's in Salesforce. So I mean, we do use other analytics tools, but our, our primary marketing dashboard is in Salesforce. Yes, it can be done. Um, let's you you talked about gaps, knowing your gaps. Uh, your next. Uh, thing I wish I knew was knowing your strengths. And you talk about strength finders and you talk about strengths in leadership. One of the things that uh, when I onboard new employees, we talk about our core values as part of our onboarding. And we, we have five of them. And I, I, I take time to say, look, you don't need to focus on the things that you come naturally. And you should focus on the things that are your gaps or the areas that are growth. What, what do you, you put this in here as one of the things that you wish you knew in SaaS marketing. How did this make the list? Uh, if you can share some personal reflection. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, earlier in my career, I had this amazing uh, boss. She was actually a VP of sales at, at my first company. And um, she, she saw this um, young guy who was, 
very much wanting to conquer the world, basically. And she bought me one of these strength based or strength finder books and, and said, you know, read this and then we're going to come back and talk about it. And really what she was doing was pointing out to me what I'm good at from a strength standpoint. And then the back of the book actually had a, uh, a chapter on how to manage to these strengths. And it was her way of saying, like, really get to know what you're good at and use that to get to where you want to get. Um, so I've, I've had this fundamental belief that if you understand what your strengths are, you can understand what your weaknesses are. And you can, in some ways, to your point, get, get your gaps up to an acceptable minimum where it's just acceptable for the team that you're trying to build. And then you, and then don't focus on it anymore. Right. Um, the best teams are the ones that are balanced between uh, their strengths and they go out and they, and they just do really amazing things together. They have, they have a code of ethics. They have a culture around, you know, what an acceptable minimum is in certain areas, but they don't, they don't have to revisit it every day because it's part of their DNA. So I've always, you know, thought that way. And, and really when I, when I think about what, if I had known that earlier, what I would have been able to achieve by now, um, Lord only knows. Right. Yeah, for sure. You, um, you then follow that up with know your team strengths. And when you, you've been a CMO there almost about half a year now, correct? Yeah. About four months. Okay. Um, when you came in and either here or other companies, how often do you find that you need to upgrade the team? Uh, because that's something that I see happen in almost every one of our clients. When a new CMO comes in or a new head of demand generation or marketing operation, there's, there's churn. And um, I, I, I always wonder why it sometimes takes a new leader to do that. And is that you know, the current leader letting any mediocrity or is it that that's your advice, like know your team's strengths and that assessment is really done. And, and as, as my CEO likes to say, when you do that, the cream rises to the top and the dregs float to the bottom uh, with the coffee analogy. So talk to me about that, how you assess the team and, and, you know, is there change? Yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, first I'll throw out that, you know, I, I definitely see that a lot of people who come in and lead marketing organizations will just push everyone out or nearly everyone out and start over. Um, I have a fundamental belief that, uh, that, that I want to come in. I want to learn from the current team. I want to know what's working well and what's not. And, uh, if there's enough that's working well, I want to make more of it work well. And I will, uh, determine if it was the team, uh, that was, making it work well, or if it was happenstance or if it was the product. Right. Yeah. Um, and part of that, part of that process is really kind of going back to that strength finder thing. So right. going back and, and going through that exercise as, as a new team, and especially when you're coaching new employees one-on-one -on -one and, and helping them to understand uh, what their strengths are. And, and it's quite fascinating because I think when you've, when you've understood your own strengths for long enough and you've read these books and you've done it with enough teams, you, you already know what people's strengths are by talking to them and, and learning from them for like an hour or so. Um, and when they, when they uncover this and they have that light bulb goes off, then it's actually uh, pretty prolific because then you have conversations around, Oh, well um, I've always been trying to learn this. And um, that's why I thought I had to be doing that part of marketing, but, you know, now I know that it's okay that I'm passionate about this type of marketing um, because I, what I've realized about um, marketing teams 
uh, in early stage companies where a CMO comes in and kind of helps to take it to the next level is those, those early marketers are, you know, they're, they're unsung heroes. They're doing the entire marketing mix and they're usually not uh, the people that have like 20 years of experience. So they're, they need, they actually need someone to come in and help them figure out what their next play is in terms of like, whether they're specializing uh, whether they're trying something new in the business. So I, I try to take that extremely seriously because they deserve it, quite frankly. Good advice. Let's talk about know thy customer, your next one. Know your customer. Uh, when I wrote my book, Manufacturing Demand, published it 2012 was the first edition, and a few years later, the second edition came out, You know, all about demand generation and, and marketing automation, CRM, and sales and marketing working together. In that sales and marketing working together, the advice I give in the book is I talk about training day. Did you see that movie with, with Denzel Washington? I did. <laughs> so, you know, you know, that movie doesn't, it doesn't end well for the two of them in their relationship, a little spoiler, but I do talk about that because it was, it's the ride along, you know, that, that when he was a rookie cop, he rode along with the senior uh, cop to really learn the beat, learn the street, um, know where all the thugs are and know what's going down in the town. Unfortunately, he finds that Denzel is a bad cop. But the point is, and I make it in the book, and this is where you are, is you got to know thy customer. In fact, you know, the last time we got together at Dreamforce with you and Chris of the team, you guys were having a customer dinner, beautiful one at the slanted door. We had a great time. So thank you again for that invitation. And Naomi was there from EFI, who, by the way, was just on the podcast couple weeks ago. And so we were both there and the conversations were so great, not only about marketing and marketing operations, but about their use and adoption of Sendoso. And even though, like I said, we're a client and Naomi's a client and you have other clients there, we were learning from each other. So what was your onboarding, Dan? If this is one of your top 10, you know, things you wish you knew in marketing in SaaS, you know, this list was, I'm sure, developed from you doing these things repetitively and seeing the value. So how did you approach it at Sendoso? Yeah, no, it's, it's um, an interesting uh, thing to note that um, Chris, our CEO and co-founder has just done such a phenomenal job of being connected to the customer to the point where a lot of uh, our customers are actually advisors for our company. So they have somewhat of a vested interest in, in, um, in our success. Um, And it's, it's really easy to connect with them uh, since they are advisors. So I've had the ability to just tap into this advisor network. Um, our customer marketing organization has done a phenomenal job of, of really uh, finding out who are super senders, as we like to call them, who they are. And um, they're more than willing to talk a lot. Um, and just the fact that this is marketing and it's direct mail and gifting and sending, um, people are just super excited about it. So my, you know, I wanted to talk to as many customers as possible when I started here and uh, better understand what kind of marketers they are, how they're leveraging the platform, what kind of results they're seeing. Um, because I fundamentally believe uh, that that your company and how you tell your story needs to have the customer at the center of it. Because sure. if they are, if those customers are on the record and they're telling you how well they're doing and you're telling that back out to the market, then you, you don't have anything else to say because there's real people using it and seeing real results. And yeah. that's, uh, that's really what I mean by know your customers really know them 
down to that level and be able to use their stories to tell other people those stories. Um, To that end, I I just want to underscore like double, double line underscore. If you are coming into a new role in 2020, new company, even potentially new role, but certainly new company, before you get knee deep in the work there and get immersed in all the things that you've now signed up for with your new role and responsibility, get out of the office as much as you can in that first month and go meet with customer after customer and customer and ask them why they purchased the product, ask them uh, how they feel about the service, ask them what content or you know ways that they learned about and what the interaction has been with the company. It is invaluable for you to go out and do that research. I can't stress it enough. It will make you a better marketer. And the reason I know that is because I started my career in sales. And I've talked about it on the podcast before that my professor, Jerry Rosen, at Cal State Northridge, Dan, I don't know if you had him, I don't know if he was still teaching there. When you graduated, I was, I think, a decade before you. Yeah, I don't think he was there, but I wish I had known him. Well, you know, you were taking music classes, I was taking marketing classes. He said, Dave, if you want to become a phenomenal marketer, you need to go work in sales to find out why people really buy, because you won't be as effective if you just, you know, do that from the lens of marketing at the start of your career. It was great advice. But the amount of information that you learn when you talk to customer, I had breakfast with Rob Bonham, who's our VP of sales this morning. And he went out to San Francisco to meet with Autodesk. Autodesk became a client of ours uh, this year in 2019. And he asked our key contact there, he said, you know, I want to circle back. Why did you become a customer? Why did you select us over the other agencies that you were talking to? And the feedback that she gave him, Dan, was you guys really took an approach of learning about our business and how we operate as a marketing department, how we operate as a sales organization, the markets we serve, our product. You you started off the conversation really wanting to know how we go to market, and then conversations around the use and adoption of our marketing technologies. She said other agencies that came in, they were just like trying to dive right into, okay, so how are you using Marketo? And 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 she wanted someone that's going to help them drive revenue, which leads us to to number seven, which was think revenue first, you said. I love, Dan, what you wrote, the first sentence in number seven, which is marketing is sales and sales is marketing. And I love that because I do believe there is no black line between these departments and functions. It's gray and should be as blurry as possible for the point that you make. So why are you making that point? Why did that make the list? Yeah, I mean, it, it, and I feel like I'm almost a broken record, but it came to me during my early part of my career where I was working for a VP of sales doing trade marketing. And it was literally my job to market our products to our dealer network to drive demand for our inside sellers to be able to sell, right? Um, and if I wasn't doing that, then there was no sales. And if they and if they weren't selling, then I wouldn't have a job. So literally, I marketing would not exist without sales and sales would not exist without marketing. So I've just, I've had this fundamental belief for as long as I can remember now that if you can align to revenue and if you can tie everything that you're doing, even, even if it's a press release, even if it's this podcast that we're on, um, if, if you can justify your time in business and tie it back to revenue and back to happy customers, uh, then, then your sales and your marketing alignment is always going to be better than it could have been, right? Yeah, well, that's good. Great, great advice. And it's when I started 
the company Demand Gen, the reason that I coined the phrase Demand Gen, registered the URL way before it was a term was I rebranded the Friday meeting from sales and marketing meeting to the Demand Gen meeting. And and my definition of Demand Gen is not top of funnel. It's it's driving revenue across both new logo and in the install base. And so our alignment with sales and our alignment with customer success and forming this pod, the Demand Gen meeting that we had on Friday really encapsulated that one team mentality. Let's move to number eight, which is always do better, not more. Certainly sage advice. You say more is not better. Busy is not productive. Noisy doesn't mean leader. Take everything here and really hone in on what you and the teams are good at. Great advice. I want to know what you think though, as a marketer, we have to try stuff that fails. And and I believe that you should not be afraid to fail. So when you're saying always do better and not more, what are your thoughts, Dan, in terms of taking risk? And, you know, as a company that provides direct mail, let's face it, some of the ideas that you have and items that you're going to come up to send may or may not work. Our holiday mailing this year, which I always love what our marketing team comes out with, uh, is this very creative uh, calendar, the 25 days of marketing bliss that they can open up every day. And there's a little suggestion or tip. uh, And I think it's a great piece. What, what are your thoughts about taking risks, especially in, in direct mail when that can be a costly risk? Yeah, no, it's a really good point. And I think what I mean by always do better and not more is that um, marketers really do run the risk um, in this day and age of of doing too much. And I literally can, every morning can probably find a new piece of marketing technology that I could add to my stack. Um, and I could easily just add all of that marketing technology to my stack and spend my entire budget. So what I really mean is um, be balanced in your approach, uh, figure out what really resonates with your audience, what's working for your brand, whether it is big brand plays like going to a trade show and having the biggest booth or uh, a ton of digital marketing or gifting and direct mail um, and, and see what's working. Um, and double down on it. Um, It doesn't mean don't do new things. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be constantly iterating to continue to get it right. Because that's just, that's table stakes in marketing. You always have to be running experiments. You always have to be trying new things. You always have to be keeping up with technology. Uh, but, But what you should be doing is also finding what is resonating the best with your audience and um, making sure that you're doing a lot of it because either you're going to do it or your competitors are. And I've always always like to be the one that's doing it and winning at it yeah i'm gonna ask you i'm gonna ask you the answer to your number nine which is know your why i love know your why my my message has always been like do what gives you energy do what gives you passion and if you do that then you really enjoy your work and it doesn't feel like work it 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 feels really rewarding so dan what is your why yeah, it's, it's an interesting question um, because I don't think it's uh, personal and I don't think it's business. It's, it's kind of both. So I, I've always had two whys. One is uh, when I entered marketing, I was, I was literally obsessed with being the best marketer that I could. I studied marketing uh, day in and day out, um, researched as much as I could, tried to be the best marketer that I could by doing B2B, B2C, trade marketing, whatever I could get my hands on, I was trying to do it. Uh, and, and with the goal of wanting to become a CMO and, um, that takes time, but it can happen, uh, if you put in the hard work. And then the other part uh, I think is a constant quest and a constant journey. And 
uh, my why today is is my is my kids, right? Um, I without without them as kind of a driver for for me to get up in the morning to go and work my hardest, um, I wouldn't be as good as I am. So I think that they're very much commingled together. Nice. Um, your last and not least. No, it is your least. You, well, you, you did a bonus, but we'll skip the bonus. You, number ten. Um, actually, actually, I like your bonus. I, I am selfishly motivated to say what your bonus thing is, but let's do ten first. Uh, you said don't sit on the sidelines, and and you're practicing what you preach because this top list of things that you wish you knew uh, in marketing for SaaS companies. Uh, you wrote a, a post about it. You wrote your your top ten and, and go into more depth than we covered. And your your message was don't sit on the sidelines. Um, you said you're all in a perfect position to drive thought leadership. Understand the space you are in and how it relates to what you are doing. Have a point of view and tell it to your networks. And you you did just that. Um, I couldn't agree more. And my daughters are very involved in social media these days, not just from you know picture posting and stuff like that, but they, they have a voice. Um, my youngest daughter is type one diabetic. She's done some recent posts about her journey and how she uh, handles and, and experiences emotionally that. Um, my other daughter uh, has, has a very large following and she does a lot of social programs and promotions and, and write stuff and make videos. Um, great experience for them to have so young in their career. So I love, and I think for everybody listening, two takeaways for today. Think about your why, especially now at the end of the year. Why are you doing what you're doing? What gives you passion? Are you getting passion from the work that you're doing, getting energy from it? If not, maybe it's time to switch companies. Maybe it's time to switch roles or just switch up your responsibilities and find more purpose and passion in what you do and take Dan's advice. Don't sit on the sidelines, create content. We all, you know, none of us are smarter than all of us. So maybe do a little bit more posting on LinkedIn in 2020, write some content or do some coaching or even webinars or, or public speaking. Uh, it, it'll help you hone your skills and, and really um, adds value to the, the community. What are you, anything else to add, Dan, on that, on, on you know, contributing? Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing that it is, because you spelled it out so perfectly, like you, you just get out there, but it's also when you post thoughts and ideas, it's actually quite uh, cathartic. It, it helps you to say something that might've been on your mind. Obviously you need to make it as productive as possible, but then when you hear responses or that it's resonated, it almost helps you to release a little bit of pressure. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's just another communication point, even if, even if uh, you're just putting it out there for others to chew on. So nice. I highly recommend it. So your bonus thing, I was going to skip right over it. And then I, I actually reread it, which was scale your team with trusted contractors and agencies. I'm like, well, how can I skip that one? That's, that's, that, that's the most self-serving one in here. But I, I, I would love for you to talk about why that even made the list. You, you clearly had some experience there and why that one? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that um, it, it can be very, very easy to uh, hire people quickly, right? Um, especially if you have a lot that you're being asked to do, and maybe you have plenty of budget at the time. Uh, but from my experience, you should always be prepared for anything, right? If there's an economic downturn, if there's a bad quarter, and, and I found that, uh, that agencies are just the best way to get um, certain centers of excellence up and running, whether it's your marketing operations, your demand gen framework, your SEO, your paid digital, uh, in a way that you can turn it up and turn it down in a much 
safer way than you could if you overhired a team. And I think the bonus thing here is that you also get their point of view from them having worked with so many clients. So you're, you know, if, if I'm hiring a marketing ops agency and they have 50 clients, then I'm getting 50 points of view yeah. um, and 50, potentially like 50, 50 ways that they've already seen something fail. So they're not going to fail with me. And that's, that to me is like a really good use of uh, resources. Great points. And thank you for the plug to the entire uh, community of, of agencies out there. Cause I'm, I, that's why I started the company was because we had all these recipes of success and I didn't want to just serve them up to where I was. So I started the agency to help people. And like you said, once we had 10 engagements and 20 engagements, people would tell me that all the time back to the know thy customer. Why did you hire us? They said, well, your team's worked with, you know, countless number of companies and I want those, those recipes. They may have used different words. Um, and it is, it's tremendously valuable. Also, um, to bolt on, you know, that there's so much tactical stuff that goes on in marketing and, and people get really just taxed with all that internally. And you, people should outsource that as, as you know, I mean, you, I, the analogy I always give is so relevant and, and to what you do, which is Sendoso provides direct mail capabilities. And let's come back to that. I've never licked my own stamps and done my own direct mail and 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 done that in-house and yet so many companies approach email campaigns and other forms of marketing by doing all this tactical stuff in-house and a huge part of our business dan is is doing campaign operations for our clients it grows and grows every single year and finally more and more people are outsourcing that and and giving themselves time to focus on the strategic stuff um let's wrap up and talk a little bit about sendoso and i say talk about it because dan i want to invite you to do something with me um we're launching something in 2020 probably in january and we're doing a lot of show and tell because I found on the podcast with all the success, you know, like I said, 50,000 listeners a month listening in. But when I talk about MarTech, as I often do on here, we're not showing it. So we're launching something new. And I would like to invite your team to be part of that launch and show the Sendoso platform, show your integration with Salesforce and Marketo and the other marketing automation systems. Um, so I'm sure... If I say, will you do that with me? The answer is going to be yes, right? Uh, yeah, of cool. course. <laughs> Why would you not, right? Um, so I look forward to doing that with you. But before we get there, if you can just share a little bit. I mean, you, again, recently joined the company, you said four months ago. So why and what's what's Sendoso all about? Yeah, so I mean, my, really the reason why I joined is, well, it's a couple reasons. I think one is uh, when I met the the CEO and co-founder Chris, it just clicked. And I saw that him and Braden, his co-founder started a business for all the right reasons. They were account executives uh, trying to rise above that digital noise and get meetings. And they, they founded their first company that way and it was successful and it took off really quickly. So just, it resonated from day one and it was started for all the right reasons. And when I, when I thought about my, my old days, in publishing and doing direct mail, um, I did unfortunately have to lick envelopes and <laughs> I remember how painful, <laughs> how painful that was. And I also know what the results were. So, you know, being able to take uh, direct mail gifting uh, and modernize it into a SaaS offering that allows you to connect to your systems of action, whether that's outreach, whether that's sales loft, whether that's marketing automation, um, whether that's CRM, 
to be able to track the ROI, to be able to give your teams the ability to do the sending on their own, and then to marry that with the warehousing, logistics, and, and sourcing um, is just super powerful, and I wanted to be a part of it because this this uh, this channel of, of direct mail is actually, uh, in my opinion, multiple channels. It's it's e-cards, it's uh, perishables like food and wine, it's uh, traditional direct mail, and it's gifting, and um, and it's only rising in popularity, and it needs someone to help solve that problem at scale and. Sendoso is the one to do it. Yeah, you you don't have much competition in the market. Um, you know, there's there's really two leaders in the space, uh, very similar to like marketing automation systems out there. And uh, if people are not familiar with you guys, uh, take a look. We we certainly did, and and we came on board as a client. We're really really happy with the platform, and and just as happy, if not happier, with the quality of your customer success, which uh, customer service, which really matters. Chris has such a passion for it, so. Uh, do tell Chris and the rest of the team hello for me. For everyone listening, um, like I said, connect with Dan. Uh, go grab this this article. Easy enough to or this post. Easy enough to find. Um, Ten things I wish I knew when I started in SaaS marketing. I think there's a few in there that everyone should take action on. Whether it's knowing your metrics, finding your strengths, uh, making sure that you understand the the strengths of your team and leveling your your team up, uh, knowing your customer. And being revenue centric and, and putting revenue first in terms of what your purpose holistically is in, in the department and uh, your advice about doing better. A lot, lots of good nuggets in there, Dan, a lot of inspirational uh, thoughts and ideas. And again, if anybody wants to take me up on the offer to take a look at how we do our dashboards and metrics and talk about that or talk about campaign attribution, hit me up on LinkedIn, drop me a note or drop me an email if you have my contact info. And uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Dan, thank you so much for joining. I'd love to grab a drink with you before the end of the year, before the holiday, and and celebrate your role there and, and success. So let's do that. Let's definitely do it. All right. Everyone, to all of you, if you catch this episode before the end of the year, I hope you have a very safe and happy holiday season. Pat yourself on the back for a very, very fast and furious 2019 Uh if you're listening to this in 2020, I hope you take some of Dan's advice and, and just hit the ground running and, and level up. Do better. Don't do more. Just do better. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. <laughs>